This podcast does not provide medical advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyone Dies, the podcast. I'm Marianne Matzo, and Charlie is on vacation. So in honor of our own very much loved Charles, please grab a martini and some cheesecake. This is his two favorite things, I think. And thank you for hanging out with me for the next hour or so. Um, In the first half, we have our usual recipe of the week. In the second half, I'm going to be talking about doulas. And in our third half, we have some insights from um, our guest, Linda Barnard, who um, is a nurse practitioner, gerontological nurse practitioner like I am, and um, has a doctorate in nursing practice and is also a doula. So she's going to talk about how doulas fit into our existing healthcare system. So, given that Charles is on vacation, let's just go wild in the kitchen with a recipe for candy apple salad. And what better way to say that you're eating salad than to have it with whipped cream and nuts. So, you're welcome. And it really looks like a nummy recipe. So, you can go and uh, see the link for the recipe and additional resources for this program at everyonedies.org. That's E-V-E-R-Y, the number one dies.org. And you can email us at mail at everyonedies.org. That's M-A-I-L at E-V-E-R-Y, the number one D-I-E-S dot org. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and rate, review our podcasts. Uh, Remember, we're a nonprofit organization and we take that very seriously because we make no profit at all. And we would be thrilled to um, accept your support and your donations. And if you go to the webpage, you can um, donate, support our work at www.everyonedies.org. So now you know. Uh, So let's talk about what is a doula? And so a do, uh, there's a death doula. There's the same sort of concept as a death midwife. And probably a better name would be an end-of-life doula. So these people are non-medical professionals that care for terminally ill people. They offer emotional counseling, patient and family comfort, memorial service planning. These are things that are all part of the end-of-life doula services. You also don't have to be terminally ill to work with a doula. You can contract with one to help you prepare for death. And people who've had the experience, um, you know, like maybe a near-death experience or maybe somebody in their family has died and they say, you know what, I really need to kind of get my affairs in order and I want to make sure that the specific wishes that I have for the end of life are honored, and so I'm going to work with this person to make sure that I have everything done. But unlike midwives, doulas do not serve in a medical capacity. So I don't want, I really want to reinforce that. They are not there in a medical capacity. They don't give medicine. They don't prescribe medicine. Their primary role is to provide emotional physical, and psychological support. And when I was talking with um, our guest, Linda, I said, you know, how is this really different than what hospice does? And she said the really big difference is time, is that the doula has more time to spend with people. 
where the hospice nurse, you know, might only have so much time for a visit and um, the doula can come in and fill that gap. So the term doula originates from ancient Greece and was used to describe a woman who serves other women. It's commonly used to describe a person trained to provide support and comfort to women during labor and childbirth. So you might have heard that, and especially it, it became pretty popular in, in the you know, 60s and 70s where you know, the whole natural death movement came in and you know, people wanted to have you know, home births. And so the doula would be there to assist with that. The prominence of death doulas increased um, about the turn of the century is now also associated with those trained to assist and provide support to patients as they near death. Now, there was a study by the Morris Life Hospice, and I put the link in our resources, that found that 60% of respondents to their study hadn't discussed their end-of-life preferences with anyone. About 45% of those people were over age 65. Uh, many of the study participants says that they weren't prepared to discuss death or even thought that they were really too young to think about it. Which, um, you know, here and everyone dies, we want to help normalize death, uh, accept mortality, make plans for what we want and what we don't want. And the reality of the situation, as you well know, or, you know, you might not want to acknowledge, but you're never too young to die. Lots of young people die, and um, lots of old people die, and lots of middle-aged people die, and ultimately everyone dies. And so the fact that we think, oh, I have time, we don't know that. We don't know that. And so better to say, well, this is something that is going to happen. Let me make plans. Let me, you know, fill out my advance directive, let me make my will, and then I can put it in a drawer, let people know where it is, so that when you need it, or when somebody else needs it, it's there. And they don't have to be wondering, well, what am I supposed to do now? What would, what would he or she have wanted? It's written down. So, although doulas are more often associated with new life, you know, the birth doula, um, there's also this understanding of how that profession could help those whose lives are ending. So like a birth doula, end-of-life doulas are there in the most vulnerable and intimate parts of a person's life. Um, doulas usually know the systems um, that they're working in so that they're able to help you navigate through them. And that's like one of the real difficult things about, you know, when suddenly you're in this situation where, all right, well, where is it that I'm going to get the medicine? Where is it that I'm going to get this or that? Um, the doulas, because they're part of your community, can help you say, here's where that is, here's where that is. And depending on what you've contracted with them, can actually maybe even do those errands for you, for you to help you through that. Um, a primary concern that people have when they're facing death is not to be a burden to their loved ones. So death doulas 
want to address this by being the bridge between the hospice workers, the medical staff members, and provide the organization and comfort to patients and families needed in the final stages of life. And some doulas will, depending again on what you contract for and who you hire, may come and stay at the house and be there for the death vigil. They, um, when person enters in the phase where they're actively dying, uh, they will stay with, with the family and um, be as close as they need to. I, I've had many experiences where, as a nurse, somebody will say, well, mom's dying, will you come be with us? Because, as I said, typically, especially nowadays, the hospice nurse isn't able, uh, just because of how they do billing and things like that, isn't able to really spend a lot of hours at the bedside as somebody's ending the end of life. But, you know, if I volunteer my time, I've had, I used to um, facilitate an ovarian cancer support group. And some of my ladies in those groups would, you know, when they were at the end, they would say, you know, to their children, you know, call Marianne. Now, you know, they want me there. And just to help and just to answer questions for the families. And so at the time when I was doing that, I never really thought of myself as a doula. But um, the more I've explored this role, I, I guess I was. So how can a doula assist? Um, an end-of-life doula can provide several services for your loved ones and their family. They have um, the ability to do like um, calming for the terminally ill, they can do guided visualization. They could do um, massage, coordination of care, helping you know get all the like I said the resources that you need. They can help with like see prog- projects to memorialize the person or the soon to be deceased. You know to sit with. You know, it's really difficult to sit with your mother, let's say, and say, okay, well, let's plan your funeral and what songs do you want and whatever. But the doula, even though they're a caring person, they're still not the daughter. And so they're able to sit down and say, well, let's plan this out. How is it? How do you want it to be? What do you want it to be? Um, Who do you want there? And they can help set that up. They can provide uh, respite care for family members. So respite care is you know, you're not putting having somebody go to a nursing home or to a hospital um, so that the family members can actually get some sleep. But they can be there at the bedside, have you know eyes on, holding hands, while the family members actually go and get some sleep. They can plan um, the vigil. So uh, there's the idea that um, no one should buy, should die alone. And so that's what the vigil is, is to say um, many hospices have um, volunteers that will do the vigil or, you know, sometimes churches. But when you have somebody who's at the end of their life, it's nice to have somebody there so that they don't die alone. Now, people will die when they want to, and I've seen so many times where you know, a family member or a spouse is like, I'm not leaving his, his, her side. I'm going to be there when they take their last breath. And I think to myself, well, maybe, because sometimes the person doesn't want 
anybody there or doesn't want their children or their spouse there. And so I can't tell you how many times when people would say, listen, I'm just going to go get a cup of coffee. Will you keep an eye on her so I can get a cup of coffee? I'm going to go grab a shower. And it's in that 10-minute period that the person will take their last breath. And I've seen it too often not to believe that people, you know, we always say the hearing is the last thing to go, is that people say, okay, I'm alone. I can I can do this now. I, I don't want my daughter to have to see me take my last breath. So um, the, it, it, it's, it's not a failure on your part as the loved one that you weren't there for the last breath. I've had so many people just be so upset that they missed the last breath where they've been sitting you know, in a vigil for hours and hours. You know, some people just want it to be that way and we just have to accept it. It might happen. So uh, Dula's philosophy of care really is one of compassionate partnership, and it acknowledges the life experience and knowledge that people bring to their own treatment and treats people as adults in terms of saying, what is it that you want? Doulas are known for honoring and trusting in the body's natural processes, um, originally labor and birthing, and more recently in the end of life and dying. While people are experiencing the processes of the work of the end of their lives, the midwives or doulas accompany, helping their client to trust the process of, if you're birthing, either um, ushering life into the world or leaving this world through the dying process. And so to talk more about that, I talked with Linda Barnard, who is an end-of-life doula who lives in Southern California. Um, as I said, she's a gerontological nurse practitioner. She has a doctorate in nursing practice. And in 2020, she decided to devote, devote her time to working as a doula and started her own company called Heading Home. And I put the link to her company in the website so you can um, go and take a look at that if you want to. So in this third half, um, Linda and I talk about where doulas fit into the services currently available at the end of life. And, um, you know, there's probably going to be some controversy because doulas are not licensed. They're, they're not credentialed. They can take courses to be um, certified or um, earn a badge or something that shows that they did take some classes. They did take, you know, a, a exam. And that they did pass it, but there is no um, licensure. So when you're thinking about what are you going to do in terms of how are you going to choose a doula, I also gave you a couple of um, websites that you can go to. So go to our webpage and you'll see them there. You can go to and you can put in what state you live in, what you're looking for, and um, it'll give you a list of people who work as doulas in your area. So, uh, so let's go to our third half and talk with Linda. So, um, one of the things I'm, um, a member of the, um, Hospice and Palliative Nurses Association, and I've been kind of seeing some messages, you know, coming across on the message board of discussions about where do doulas fit in to, you know, into hospice or into palliative care and 
why is it necessary? And I can remember when I was telling a friend of mine about what palliative care was, what the definition was about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And she looked at me and she said, well, doesn't that just come with like health care? You know, that don't they just do that automatically? And I said, you know, you, you would think so. You would think that what we do in palliative care in terms of pain and symptom management would be automatic if you're managing disease. But in fact, that's, that's not true. So there needed, you know, there needs to be that specialty. So why with a hospice system that we, you know, hospice care that we have and, you know, insurance covers that and you, and you get certain care within that, that hospice package, why would somebody decide, oh, and I need a doula too? I think it's time. I think it's time that a doula can contract to stay with the person for a half a day. Some doulas, I'm not one, but some doulas will move in if there's, if the needs are heavy. The hospice team has um, numerous patients that they're seeing and they come in and they have, they do what they do, but they have demands. They have five other patients they're going to see that day. And a doula has the time and the flexibility. Usually they work one family at a time when people are closer to death. Um, and so they, they which, which is the same answer, Marianne, is for the palliative care, because it feels that same resistance of um, how hospice saying, well, don't we do what doulas do? And mm-hmm. primary care providers said, well, we, we do what palliative care people do. And in palliative care, we know you can't possibly, in a 20-minute visit, address all of that. In palliative care, you're going to book out an hour for a conversation about symptoms and about, you know, how the quality of your life is or any of that. So it's the same, it's the same dynamic. It's that um, we have the time and the focus is primarily on what, what are the needs of the patient right now and what might be the in, the in the future so that we can sort of look ahead. But um, there is... Um, I was told in training, and it is absolutely true, that hospice doesn't understand the role of the doula. And so I'm, I've been working in that capacity to try to help them. And because I speak their language, and I was a team member, I thought that that would make it easier or a little more palatable, but it hasn't. Um, and really? so there's just more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More can education. You tell, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, they just believe that they, they're meeting the needs of the patient because they have this entire team. And mm-hmm. when I tell them I'll offer this, they say, okay, I'll, I'll keep your card or I'll let your website. And I couldn't get in to the hospices because they were closed. They were closed for, for visiting. Mm-hmm. But they're um, not all hospices because some hospices have little collectives of doula or little volunteer doulas um, groups. And I'm, I'm working with a hospice. I'm out in Southern California and I'm working with one. And um, she invited myself and another doula to come in for vigil training. You know, vigil is the very last days or even hours of someone when they're dying. And, mm-hmm. and doulas do beautiful work in that time. They're, they're right there and help to set that environment and 
keep that environment and provide assurance. So this other dealer and I came in for the training and we really added a lot to the training. And I think that she, this, this person who's a volunteer coordinator finally saw the value of it, that, that we bring that. So, um, so I, I think, you know, back to what I said in the beginning, it's, it's time. We see one family at a time. So, how are things going? Do you need me to come over? Do you need a night off? I can definitely stay. Doulas can't, I mean, um, hospice folks can't do that. And they can hire private help to do that. But the private help is also task oriented, whether they're going to bathe the patient or change the patient or feed the patient. And um, so I hope that answered the question. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've always said that the expectations of families who are taking care of people with hospice support are so tremendous. And the families have no idea really what they're getting into when they say, oh, okay, well, we'll go home with hospice. Um, my mother had a major stroke. I was living in Oklahoma. She's in Michigan. And they decided that, my sister decided, and my brother decided that um, they were going to bring her home with hospice support because she had always said she didn't want to go to a nursing home. She uh, wanted to die in her own home. So my sister called and said, we're going to bring her home with hospice. They said, you are? Okay. And I said, do you want me to come? She said, oh, no, 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 you've got little kids. You work full time. No, we'll, we'll manage it. She's just... But I have one question. I said, okay, what? She said, you know, on the syringe, there's like two rows of numbers. Which row of numbers do you use? Oh, my goodness. And I said, um, Kathleen, are you sure you don't know where you're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I said, the kids are okay. You know, their dad's here. To, to, you know, I can come. She said, well, it's really not a problem. I said, it's really not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, or you go in to do a hospice admission and they say, okay, well, let me show you to your room. It's like, oh, no, I'm not staying here. They're like, wait a minute, you're not. Well, who's going to take care of them? You know, these situations where people have no clue, here's, here's, what, here's what's going to be required when we talk about hospice support. And um, it's tremendous work. And so I can see the value of having that, that extra, extra layer of support, but why don't you think that that's included in hospice itself? I mean, I know with, with volunteers that volunteers can go and can stay and spend time and they don't have a limit on how much time they can spend, but do you think that a lever, that role of a doula will be incorporated into the hospice services themselves? I do. Actually, I, I do. And I, uh, it's, it's a strong belief. It's not just a hope. I, I really do, because I think once they see the value, the patients will be satisfied and the families will be satisfied and the work of the team will be lessened. And, I mean, we can be the eyes and the ears for the hospice. We can tell them what's, what's working and what's not working. This is ideal. It's not happening yet. I've had a patient, two patients with hospice and they didn't necessarily communicate with me, and mm -hmm. despite my efforts, and I'm, I'm working on that, and that's, that's a process. But we can let them know what's happening, and if the hospice nurse leaves and there's some education, I am careful 
like the situation with your sister in the morphine syringe, I know the answers to how to do that as a nurse. But in this role, I would say, let's call the hospice back and have the nurse explain that one more time to you and we'll write it down together. So Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a clear line that I'm not going to take over the nursing role Mm -hmm. and assume any of that um, duty because that is the nurse's duty. But I, I think it can help a lot. You know, if, Families are surprised when the nurse comes and checks on Monday and says, I'll be back next Wednesday. If things mm-hmm. are stable, think, well, who's going to be here all those other days? And, <laughs> and, uh, and they don't know that, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't know that. And, um, and what they have in front of them is, is a, a very, you know, um, heavy care person, whether they have symptoms or, or don't. It is a lot of work and it is hard. And I admire that. I, I anybody who says that they will be taking care of someone at home, that I honor that. And even if they're in a facility and they keep a vigil, I, I just want to help them in that. And, and the doula role can do that. And there are some, there are some, um, you know, volunteer, some people do it and charge a nominal fee and some people do their work purely volunteer. And um, so, and some people offer a sliding scale as well to what families can afford. Mm-hmm. Well, and 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 two, they're also the family member whose loved one is dying, and that the other piece that sometimes gets muddy is like, well, okay, so let me explain to you about how you have to use this um, this morphine and. You know, they're very focused on learning what they need to know about that and doing it correctly. And then again, you know, how much time is it? Does anybody say to them, and I know, you know, you're grieving that that your husband's at the end of his life or your wife or, or whatever. There's just so much wrapped up in the family as caregiver in a hospice situation. Oh, I totally agree with that. And and not in every case, but in many cases, that is a very tired um, caregiver. That is mm-hmm. a, a, a sad, grieving caregiver. They're grieving for all the losses that have occurred already, loss of role and normal in their life, everything. And they're anticipating the loss without them. They're feeling, can I even do this? Especially if they made that promise, like, I'll take, uh, I'll take you home. Mm-hmm. And they're often, um, the outside world is saying, what can we do to help? And maybe they're coming and they're, and they're helping in some ways. But the hands-on care, the sitting with them, that, that doesn't always get offered. People think, I don't want to bother them. And they can be really isolated and, and alone. And if they can have and a of a doula. And, and exhausted. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah, remember I think it was hard mom. Work. I was I was like I, after um, you know because people kept saying, well, when's she going to die? <laughs> you because know, she wasn't she wasn't taking you know any artificial food and fluids, and and I would say, I don't know. <laughs> I look you know I look at her urine bag and she would figure out where all that was coming from. But I don't want you to last like 10 days. It's like, I don't know. Stop asking me. It, you know, it was just a very, um, I did get cranky at the end. I, I admit, Linda, I was cranky. 
Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for future episodes of Everyone Dies. Charlie is somewhere enjoying himself and having a vacation, and I'm Marian Matzo, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Remember, every day is a gift. Thank you. This podcast does not provide medical advice. All discussion on this podcast, such as treatments, dosages, outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, messages, and any other discussion are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your primary care practitioner or other qualified health providers with any questions that you may have regarding your health. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.